Open your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23. You know, I, there are so many of us that have been grief-stricken in days gone by. But I want us to be able to look at this scripture and to be able to see if that would help us in our grief. Look at chapter 23, starting with verse 1. And Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying that I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. It might be the case that you as an individual has experienced grief on a number of occasions. And it might be you've never lost somebody close to you, but I, let me tell you, if you live long enough, you're going to come across that. You're going to come across losing people that are very close to you, that you love so dearly. And so I want us to look at this particular chapter in the book of Genesis. And tonight I want to call attention to what the Bible has to say about Abraham and the loss of Sarah. First, I think about the proclamation of her passing. Now, Moses here is recording the events that had transpired in the very lives of Abraham and Sarah. And so it's at this point in time that Moses informs his readers that Sarah, the wife of Abraham, had died. Now, when you think about our time here on earth, it says that she lived to be 127 years old. There are some people today that have lived well into their 90s, some even into their 100s. What a blessing it is to be able to live to that particular age. I, I have to think about Dick Harris, who still is with us today at 95 years of age. Come August, he will be 96. But to think of the opportunity that we could have to live to be 95 or 96 as he is, and he's still healthy, it seems. He still drives his car, and yes, his wife is not far from him in age. He's had some troubles, yes, they've had some troubles, but they were able to overcome. Now, Jean Allison, who's at 92, I know that she's not doing the, the best that she could at this particular time, but she's still alive at 92. So most of us, if we could live and we could be in good health, even up to 95 years of age, as Dick Harris is, we would cherish the thought. And if it was possible for us to be able to sign some kind of a contract that would say, yes, you could live to that particular age, that ripe old age of 95, we would sign that contract right away. If that was a guarantee. But the only downside is, is that we don't have 
that luxury. There are no guarantees. But the Bible does tell us about the span, the duration of our life here upon planet earth. In fact, it was Job who said that man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble, Job 14.1. James even tells us in James 4.14, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanisheth away. The psalmist even talked about how we might live to be 70 years of age or even as far as 80 years of age or beyond. But he said, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Psalm 90 and verse 10. We sing that song on occasion that I'll fly away. And we're always thinking of that particular time whenever that time comes where we will die and fly away to be with God in heaven. That's what happens. We will eventually fly away into eternity. And so there is that proclamation of her passing. But then I also think about the place of her passing. Look at verse 2 of Genesis 23. And Sarah died in Kerjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. Now you might recall back in Genesis chapter 12 now, it's very interesting here, where God had called Abraham and he said to Abraham in verse 1, he said, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And that, that promise that was made to Abraham by God was realized in Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. God would send his son through the very lineage and the seed line of Abraham, the patriarch, the father of the Hebrew nation. Hebron was located about east of the Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis 11:31, And so Abraham and Sarah migrated to this very promised land, this land of Canaan. Sometimes we talk about where a person has died. I've thought about that. Where will you die? Where will I die? I mean, sometimes we talk about that. It could be the very fact that I could die here in Clearwater. Or it could be even Largo, which is not far away. I mean, we could die even in the state of Florida. Or we might die in, a, in another state. Whatever it might be. We don't know. We don't know where we would die. Of course, we would love to be able to die uh, in our sleep in the middle of the night. But that's not always possible, is it? We might die of old age and we might die of a stroke or a heart attack. Some have died of this COVID-19, as sad as that might be. But it might be that we're involved in some kind of an accident. We just do not know when or where we're going to die. And that is so sad that we can't pick that time and that day. But we will die. And we will die physically speaking. But spiritually speaking... And that's what's most important here. And by that I simply mean that we're either going to die in Christ or outside of Christ. Now I like to ask that question on occasion when I am studying with somebody. 
And I will ask them, would you rather die in Christ or out of Christ? And of course, they always pick in Christ. And then I'm going to say, well, let's read Galatians 3.27. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. We need to be, according to Ephesians, we need to be in Christ where all spiritual blessings are found. And so I'd rather die in Christ than to be outside of Christ, and I hope that you do as well. Now, there are only two places to die, and that's either in Christ or out of Christ. In Revelation 14 and verse 13, John said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. You see, you can either die in Christ or out of the Lord. The Bible says, speaking of Abraham and Sarah in Hebrews 11 and verse 13, he says, these all died in faith. You see, they walked by faith, they lived by faith, and they died in faith. That ought to be our goal as well. That ought to be our desire, and that is to die as a faithful child of God. We ought to echo the very sentiments of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, 20 through 21, 20, 21 through 23, when he said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I'm not saying that we are looking to leave this old world tonight, or tomorrow, or next week. But when that time does come, we want to be able to die in Christ. Because ultimately, that's where we are afforded those spiritual blessings of heaven, that is paradise. Now, there's a second thing in our study that not only do we think about the separation that Abraham faced, but the sorrow that Abraham felt. What about the sorrow that this great patriarch, this, this great man had faced? The man that's identified as the friend of God. What about the sorrow that he experienced or felt? Well, there is the description of his loss and the death of his loss. Think about what Moses recorded here. Look at Genesis 23, a very brief statement. And Sarah died, verse 2 there, in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And so Sarah died. She has now reached to that point where she has stepped out into eternity. And now Abraham is all alone. He has lost a faithful wife. I don't, I don't know how long that they had been together. I suspect that they had spent a, long, a lot of time together. A lot of years have come and gone, and now Abraham is now saying goodbye. Saying goodbye to, as some would say today, his soulmate. That person that has been there through the thick and thin, they have been to the mountaintop together. They have been down to the valleys together. And the Bible says that whoever finds a wife finds a, a good thing. Proverbs 18.22, and I'll tell you what, Abraham had a good thing with Sarah, his wife. That is something that we need to think about. When life runs out, no matter what kind of run that we've had in life, that no matter how lengthy that run may be, nothing lasts forever. 
when we talk about relationships, relationships that we enjoy here on planet Earth, we understand that at some point in time that death is going to come between us and somebody that we love. It's going to happen. Now, you remember in John chapter 11, when Jesus was informed of the very sickness of Lazarus, and then Jesus plainly said that Lazarus, our friend, is dead. You can see the reaction of Martha and then later on of Mary of how that they were both weeping because they had lost their own brother, the one that they loved so much. And then we learn in John 11 and verse 35 that even Jesus wept over this friend. When I think about the loss that Abraham had experienced on this occasion, I think about the fact that he had lost a faithful wife. And then secondly, here's a guy that lost a faithful friend as well. You know, it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said on one occasion that a friend is a person with whom I may be sincere before him I may think aloud. Can you imagine how often Abraham and Sarah had talked? And how often they talked about life and about their experiences and about their home life. They had forged a friendship that through the years. Now the Bible talks about how that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Proverbs 18.24. And so it's not uncommon to hear people that are married to talk about how he or she was my best friend. Or is my best friend even today. Abraham had just lost a faithful wife. He just lost a faithful friend. And then there's a third thing that he had lost. He lost the mother of his child. You go back and you read the account of God telling Abraham and Sarah that she would have a child in her old age. And how that they had earlier tried to help God out. And by getting a handmaid for Abraham, and that turned out to be a mess. But then later on, God fulfilled that promise. And so Sarah conceives and brings forth a child, the promised child, in her old age, of which was Isaac. And so now Abraham is staring death in the face, as we would say, and he's lost a wife, he's lost a friend. He's lost the mother of his child. It may be that you're listening in tonight or watching tonight, and maybe you, like Abraham, have experienced that very same loss. I know that that it's difficult to sometimes put into words how we feel or to articulate our feelings. You see, the beauty of the Bible is that we're talking about real people, people that... We're just like us, with good times and and other times. I try to not say bad times because we don't really understand bad times, but other times, joys and frustrations, heartaches and sorrows. It's a part of life. But that was the description of his laws. But what about the depth of his laws? When you read the book of Genesis, Genesis being the book of beginnings, the book of origin, that the book opens up with life when you really think about it and it closes in chapter 50 
with death. You see, there is life, Adam and Eve. And then you read about the death of Joseph in Genesis 50. In Genesis 5, over and over again, the expression is used, and he died, and he died, and he died, over and over and over again. That is a commentary on humanity. We live and we die. So what about the death of his loss? Listen to what Moses said in verse 2. And Sarah died in Kerjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. It's not wrong to hurt. It's not wrong to mourn the loss of a loved one. It's not wrong to feel a sense of despair or despondency. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be human if you didn't have those feelings. The Bible says not only did Abraham mourn for his beloved wife, but that he wept for her. All of us can appreciate that. Those of us that have lost loved ones, whether it be a husband or wife, a a grandparent or a brother or sister or child or grandchild, you see, we understand what it means to, be, to bid goodbye to somebody that we love with all of our heart and the death, if you will, of that loss. You know, sometimes upon hearing the loss of a loved one, we're in a state of shock, aren't we? Because it's difficult for us to process what just had happened And then as time begins to go on, we realize they're not coming back. They're not coming home. I'm not going to be able to talk to them on the telephone anymore. I'm not going to be able to talk to them face to face anymore. I'm not going to be able to eat dinner with them. I'm not going to be able to celebrate their birthdays or our anniversary anymore. We're not going to be able to do this or that. Why? Because they're gone. And so we're flooded with tears of anguish, hurt, and sorrow. You know, we sing that song on occasion, Does Jesus Care? And the response is, oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 4.15 that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. When you are hurt, when you are mourning, when you are lying in your bed with tears running down your face, we need to understand that the Lord understands. He understands. Jesus can identify with how we feel. Not only can he sympathize, he can empathize with us. We need to remember that. And so there was separation and there was sorrow. And I wish that since I've been here, I guess if I've had my will that we would not have lost anyone because no one wants to say goodbye to loved ones. You know, I'm not really sure how many people we've lost over the course of of some 11 years that I've been here, but I, I know it's been a lot. And all I can do is reflect back on those good times and to think about the, the, the wonderful things that I have heard, the times that I have visited with them in their homes and been able to sit face to face across the table with them. The joyous occasions. There have been so many good people that have moved on to their reward. 
I think about them on many occasions. I don't, I don't know many, but I know it's been too many. I don't know how many, but it's been too many. And I know if the Lord allows me to stay here, there will be more. And why is that? Because it's called life. It's life. Life is always followed by death. But now there's a third thing that we need to see in our study. And that is the strength that Abraham forged. Moses said that Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And then in verse 3, Abraham stood up before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. We see here that there is the importance, the very necessity of burying a loved one. It's not easy to make arrangements. It's not easy to go through that process of preparation to say goodbye to a wife or a husband or a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter or a friend, a classmate, a co-worker, a mother, father, whomever. It's never easy. And I suspect that the most difficult part of the burial process, process is when we get to the cemetery. And there are passages of Scripture that is typically read by the side of an open grave. Great passages like the 23rd Psalm. Or 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Or 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. Passages that inspire hope and remind us that that body that we're putting in the ground, that even though that body may sleep in the ground for hundreds or thousands of years, that that soul or spirit has gone home to be with God. That would, of course, be the case for those who die in Christ. But Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7 that when death comes... The body returns to the dust from whence it was taken. But he said that the soul or the spirit returns to God. When people die in Christ, they go to paradise. As identified by Jesus as the bosom of Abraham in Luke 16, 23. It's a place of rest according to John in Revelation 14, 13. It's a place that is described by the apostle Paul again. It's to gain, Philippians 1.21. It's a place that is said to be far better, Philippians 1.23. And from our vantage point, we're looking at it from the human side. All we see is void. We see tears. We see the sadness of the fact that the one we loved is no longer with us. And so we have to go through this burying process, which is not easy. It's never easy. It might be a little bit easier when somebody has lived a long life and they die in Christ. Because you see, they've had a good life and now they're home with the Lord. But then there's a second thing I want us to see. First, there is the necessity of burying a loved one. But then secondly, there is the necessity of carrying on without a loved one. Once we get to the cemetery, once we place that body into the vault of the earth, there's nothing more that we can do physically for that person. Abraham had to take care of that physical interment of his wife, his friend, the mother of his child. 
And at that point, he then had to carry on. He had to forge ahead. Now, is it easy to move forward after such a terrible loss? In no way would I ever say that. It is because I don't think it is. And the greater the loss, the greater the difficulty is in moving on. Again, I think about those who have lived to be 70, 80, 90 years of age. They have had a good life. They've had a good run. I'm not saying that we are not sad when they die, but it's a lot different from somebody who dies as a teenager or as a young person. But so how do we respond? How do we carry on? There are some things that I think maybe we ought to consider very quickly. And first is, I would say, remember the good times. You know, Solomon said that, that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, Proverbs 17, 22. It, it's not going to be, it's not going to do any good to think about the negative, the, the bad, the, the hard times. And so my advice would be to think about the good times. Think about the times that you spend eating together, laughing together, maybe even crying together. Think about the time that you spent together and thank God for that time. Give God thanks that this person was a viable part of your life. A second thing I would encourage all of us to do is to read and reread the scriptures. Oh, you'd be amazed at the encouragement that you, that you can get from just opening up God's Word and reading it. Many years ago, there was a preacher in the state of Alabama by the name of Franklin Camp. He was a great gospel preacher. He was Eva Jane Methvin's uncle. And he introduced Eva Jane to Gordon. And by the way, it's Gordon's birthday today. He would have been 90 years of age. But now, Uncle Franklin, as he was well known by a lot of people, even though he wasn't their uncle, but he had a daughter named Vivian, who at the age of six years died as the result of a house fire. And at the end of that year, Brother Kemp tried to sit down and put into perspective the things that he had learned from that past year. One of the things that he said was this, I read the scriptures looking for comfort and consolation. Did you hear what he, what he said? He said, I, I read the scriptures to find that comfort, that consolation. She was playing with a pack of matches and she had on a nightgown and it caught on fire. And Franklin tried to do all that he could to put that out, but the burns were too great. But he looked to the scriptures. He looked to God and the scriptures for that comfort and consolation. You see, the Bible says God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, Psalm 46.1. I would encourage us to read those passages that remind us of the comfort that we have in God, the refuge, the strength that we can gain through Him. It was in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 that Paul writes, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, 
And the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Think about that. You see, God has the ability, God has the power to respond to us and to provide the comfort for sin. To know that God is aware of where we are in life. That's a great passage to keep in mind for all times. It was Peter who said in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. When you lose somebody and you read passages like that, it just resonates. To say that there is a God in heaven that cares for me. To know he cares enough and that he wants me to take my burdens, my heartaches, my sorrows, my losses, and lay them before his throne. And then there's another thing I would say in close connection to reading the scriptures, I would encourage all of us to resolve to pray more deeply. When Jesus faced death, you know what he did? He prayed. The Bible says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Luke twenty-two forty-four. It was the Hebrew writer who said, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. Now listen to what he says. And was heard in that he feared. You see, when you bow your head and your heart is broken and you have tears that are running down your face, you're at a loss for what to do. But to remember, God heard Jesus And that God will hear you. He hears your prayers. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You see, when we pray, we can expect to have the absolute undivided attention of Almighty God. And that's a great blessing. I would also encourage us to rely on our friends, our family members, and particularly our church family, to listen to what Paul had said in Romans 12, 15, to rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. We are a family of believers. And because we are a family of believers, we can unite and we can support one another. Paul said, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. I too am thankful to have people that I can turn to in times of sadness and loss. But aren't you grateful to know that there are people that love you? And I know you do as well. It might be the case that you're listening in tonight and you're not in Christ. We hope and pray that you'll Realize your situation in life. That you want to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that you'll come to Christ. I want to encourage you to come to Christ. And not only to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but to change our lives called repentance. Acts 17.30 and Luke 13.3. And not only to repent of your sins, but to make that good confession of the sweet name of Jesus before these witnesses. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10, and then to be baptized into Christ, to put on Christ, to be a changed person, where all your sins can be washed away, where you can have the remission of sin, the forgiveness of sins, to know that then the Lord will add you to his church, Acts 2, 47. Can we help you even tonight? Whether you're watching or you're listening, and maybe, maybe you're a child of God and you haven't been faithful in life to Jesus. Can we encourage you to come home? Can we encourage you to come back to a loving God who cares for you to make things right? We hope that we can.